Hello and welcome to Garagarot of This Town, a 2000 pop punk and emo pop retrospective. I am as always Elaine, and with me there are two other digital friends. I'm Digiflotch. <laughs> and I'm Digi Adam. Anyhow. Um, aside from my, my co-host completely butchering the way that naming conventions for Digimon go, um... I've never seen Digimon. Give me a break. I thought Digimon Go was the thing where you started having raids in the park. <laughs> I hate you all. I hate you. <laughs> Love you too. Also, you should rectify that, Adam. You should watch Digimon Tamers, which is the one where they inexplicably brought the... Serial Experiment Lane writer to write a children's show, and it's really fucking dark. You should watch that one. Uh, I think I'll pass. I think I'll pass. Apmon also good. I have not seen Apmon yet. Um, what are we talking about today? Strung Out. An American Paradox by Strung Out. Which is good? Question mark? Mm-hmm. Enjoyable, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Not something that we're used to on this podcast at this point, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> is it like I have to double check? Is this good? Or is our bar really low at this point? Nope, can confirm. Enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, did any of you had any prior experience with Strung Out before of this? In name only. No, but every time I hear the name of it, I get that stupid 21 Pilot song playing in my head, so... Oh, see, I get the Mighty Mighty Boss tones. Strung out with me, oh yeah, that strung is not, out! That is not the Boss tone, Fletch! <laughs> yeah, I know, I always mix that up, too. One of those bands is good, the other one is really bad. <laughs> Real Big Fish, my bad. One of those bands has really good and nuanced songwriting. The other one is Real, Real Big, Big Fish. Fish. Anyway, that's why I just think of Strung Out, because it also makes me want to inject heroin. Uh, yeah, I never heard, like, I knew them sort of by name, but I never heard Strung Out before. This record rules. This record is great. It is. We finally got one of those mystery things we were hoping would be a bonus to us. Listen... It's good enough that I'm not mad about the six-minute song at the end. Well, it's not a six-minute song. It's a, it's a bonus track. It has a bonus track at the end. Okay, but if you're going to have a bonus track, you gotta not have it be where it is, because that annoys me. Sorry, if you note down the bonus track on the track list on Spotify, then it's not bonus anymore. Then it's a normal track. <sighs> it's a hidden track. Hidden bonus track. Hidden tracks are thumbs down for me, but this band is good enough that I don't automatically hate them, so... Don't worry, you can save your hate for next week. Oh god, what are we covering next week? Something corporate. Oh dear. 
you're about to find the answer to the question, what if you had electric dashboard confessional? Oh, wow. That sounds interesting. <laughs> You'll see. Do we want to talk about the history of Strung Out? Which is a very boring history. <laughs> I think we should. gentlemen have basically since they formed in 1989 with most of them as teenagers this means if you're like me and looked this up during the record that most of them are about 30 now uh by the time of this album they are vocalist jason cruz guitarists jake kiley and rob ramos bassist jim cherry and drummer adam austin all who live in and around Simi Valley, California. Do you know anything about Simi Valley, California? And or have any fun facts about it to lighten up our experience here? Oh, I don't know that I can lighten up your experience, but I do know Simi Valley. Okay. Mm. Simi Valley is the home and burial place of Ronald Reagan and the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. It is one of the biggest Republican strongholds in this state. And it was founded by taking the Choctaw Indians' land and just straight up removing them from the earth for it. Yep. Additionally, uh, anecdote from my side, uh, when I was taking Spanish in college a couple years back, there was this kid whose entire personality revolved around the fact that he was from Simi Valley. Like, I don't even remember this kid's name. But I remember where he was from. <laughs> also, this is, you know, I like to do the whole thing where you just look them up and go, okay, what has been listed as pop culture takes on them? And boy, quite a few of the more recent ones are sobering. Uh, the video for Bullet with Butterfly Wings by the Smashing Pumpkins filmed in <laughs> Simi Valley. <laughs> That's... That's very prescient. The video for Hexagram by the Deftones, filmed by fans at an indoor skate park in Simi Valley. New metal band Limp Biscuit filmed the Break Stuff video at a skate park in Simi Valley. There's a lot of those. 2009, Gavin Rossdale filmed his music video Forever May You Run in Simi Valley. <laughs> it just keeps going, and I suppose you will be not so surprised to find out that WWE's Tough Enough decided to film a season in Simi Valley. Of course Tough Enough filmed the season there, of course. Yep. God, that was, that was awful. Um, Here, no, 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 I saved the best for last. Okay. Southern California's famous radio station, K-Rock, K-R-O-Q, began hosting a punk rock prom contest in early 2000, two of which Simi Valley High Schools won back-to-back. -back. In 2000, Santa Susana won, and Blink-182 performed at the school. In 2001, Santa Susana and Simi Valley High co-won the contest, held at Six Flags Magic Mountain, with Weezer and the Offspring headlining the event. 
Oh. Simi Valley. Oh. <laughs> I want you to imagine it is 2001. Okay. It is. The World Trade Center is still intact by the time of prom that year. And you have Weezer and the Offspring playing for you. And the world feels magical. And then what is the second half of that year like? Okay, so the band forms around 89 and in the following year sort of records the 7-inch EP of which the actual recording and publication date is very fuzzy. They talk about 2002 being their 10-year anniversary, but that sort of doesn't work with the dates because the EP should... Some day, some website report the EP as being released later, and the actual timeline of events suggests that it should have been released around um, 1991. So I have no idea when this EP was made, but it was definitely between uh, 1990 and 1993. And it's a mystery. It's a cool mystery that I did not solve. But Ellie, I think what you're telling me is that Strung Out is the pop-punk Joker. If we're going to have a past, it might as well be multiple choice. <laughs> exactly. But... This EP catches the attention of people at Fat Rec Records, which was NoFX, Fat Mike, then nascent record label. And in the early 90s, the band actually ends up being signed uh, to Fat Rec Records as one of the first signings of the new label. They will basically stay on Fat Rec Records through all their lives. They will speak positively about the label in during press and generally really enjoy their stay on Fat Rec Records, so good for them. Well, that's a nice change of pace from how <laughs> certain bands have acted. Yeah, but also, like, less interesting when you go and write the history. It's just like, yeah, they sort of just stay on Fat Rec Records, play their music, and just chill, generally. I mean, that that that's fair. <laughs> I suppose we're here to entertain. In 1992 or thereabouts... Adam Austin leaves the band and will eventually be replaced by Jordan Burns of 10-foot pole fame as a drummer. In 1994, a debut record, Another Day in Paradise, featuring a very 1990s punk sound, uh, ends up rolling out with much more of a fast drum, fast guitar, and what do you call vocals, those are an afterthought style, that you do not see on a lot of successive records. 96, their follow-up with the excellent title Suburban Teenage Wasteland Blues comes out, and they start getting a more melodic sound while maintaining their fast edge, because this is the forging of a new pop-punk style. 
Their musical evolution continues in 1998 with their third record, Twisted by the Sign, where the band also starts experimenting with a heavier guitar sound, which we can definitely feel the result on this record. Woo! And a generally darker mood. They don't quite get emo, but they definitely get like darker and grungier on their third record. And yeah, the last two records basically become sort of underground hits. None of them really goes anywhere in the mainstream, but they definitely start building an audience for the band, at least in the punk scene. In 1999, the band will play at their first Warp Tour. Yay, Warp Tour. They will play a branch of Warp Tour, I think. Either four or five in total. Strung Out is a six-time band, with their most recent being 2017. Got close, I guess. That puts them roughly halfway up the list, with the current record holders being Simple Plan and Less Than Jake tied at 13 years. Simple plan. <laughs> simple plan. <laughs> I don't know why that's just funny to me. Oh, it's even better if I go to the ties for third place. Okay. Oh. At 11 years... Anti-Flag and Real Big Fish. (laughs) (laughs) One of those things is not like the other. One of those things is not like the other. One of those things doesn't belong. Speaking of bad news, in 2000, bassist Jim Cherry will leave Strung Out to play full-time in Pulley and Zero Dawn and is replaced in the band by Chris Aiken, who will influence them into a heavier metal direction. However, this comes at a cost, in that Cherry will die on the 7th of July in 2002 due to congenital heart disease. But the first half of the year is good for them, because they get in the studio and start recording this album. Yep, uh, this comes again. They mentioned it comes 10 years after their first release. They're wrong, but okay, not gonna poop on their parade. Someone's wrong somewhere. (laughs) Someone is wrong at some point. Uh, But yeah, this record. Uh, The band is noted as a producer on the record, with Donnell Cameron handing the specific recording part, who's a sound engineer who worked with Blink and a couple of other things, I think also AFI. And yeah, the record will be released in April 2002, with Cemetery getting a video, which will mostly be an online thing. It doesn't really get any MTV airtime or anything. Did you see that one? I didn't. I did. Well, I skimmed it. I can. I could not tell you anything about it. I know that someone dressed very got in it, but... Okay, so that's about what I recommend or imagined in my head. Hmm? Yeah. But yeah, this will be the first Strung Out record to touch the Billboard 200, 
popping on one week at 185, and while on one hand this is still impressive because this is a small band signed to a really small label, which is Fat Wreck, who is sort of just like important in the scene because it's no effects, but it's its own like small thing, small niche thing. But on the other hand, yeah, this is pretty much how far the band goes. All of the records they have that chart will always chart in this kind of we got on the bottom of the chart for one week and then disappeared way, which is, you know, where they are. They're comfortable there. And yeah, despite the lack of mainstream popularity, really, this record sort of rules. So let's talk about it. Yeah! We're going to kick off with track one, Velvet Alley. I am surprised after seeing the lyrics that, for all of what they are implying, the Velvet Alley does not seem to be a vagina. (laughs) That's what I thought on the first listen. What? I did not at any point in time think that was it. I mean, same. Like, what? At most, Velvet Alley made me think of, like, maybe prostitution, but... (laughs) I thought that maybe it was a metaphor. There's the whole velvet glove and iron fist thing, but no. It turns out it's just a lovely title that goes along with nothing they were talking about that I could figure out. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. It's something that I clearly thought it sounded like when I was doing the first run. That said... It is a pleasant love song, and it's high energy. One of the fastest things we've heard in a while. It's a melodic hardcore song. It opens the record with tons of energy. Vocally, this guy is really trying to be Greg Graffin, which is not bad. You know, came up in a similar era of the scene. Yeah, and there are like worse singers that you can try to be, so like, go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dexter Holland still exists. <laughs> Oh, he does? Damn it. The offspring look like they should be the third string villains on MST3K now. It's amazing. (laughs) Also, they released a single, which is awful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it came off their last album. Yeah, I don't know if the last album already released. I really don't want to listen to that. I believe so. Let me check. It might have to come up on our year in review this year. Man, remember when I liked The Offspring? We all had our mistakes of youth. I still think Americana is a solid record, if you ignore the lyrics. That's <laughs> like, uh, I think that uh, 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 certain anime are good, as long as you ignore the perversion. Yeah. I can't talk about anime this week because I have made everyone in the house mad at me. <laughs> How did you make everyone in the house mad at you? Let me tell you the story of the ladies watching Madoka Magica. (laughs) One year ago, they watched the first three episodes, 
got to the thing that happens at the end of episode three and stopped watching the series for a full year. This past week, they picked it back up from episode four. They got to the reveal at the end of episode six with everyone being liches, put that down for another day or two. They watch again yesterday. They get up to the part where they get the full revelation about everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, They refer to me saying that, you son of a bitch, you knew what was happening. You didn't tell us. You like, don't you dare say we didn't ask the right questions, which was the thing I was actually going to say at that moment in time. (laughs) And today they finished it when I said there's a movie I was told to shove it up my ass. Well, you know, on one hand... You've just got to let people experience it. On the other hand, they do get to be mad. They are very mad. That is the, the Madoka Magica is, I think, the only piece of media that my sibling has ever cried while watching. And I 100% fully put that in their path. So it's like, well, it's like that sometimes. I never watched a movie for that. Uh, it's pretty wild i think i watched some of it and then lost interest i don't know it's like it's one of those things where like this is a finite piece of media with an ending that works and it works as a self-contained thing i don't care about watching a movie about it it's a definite mic drop from the original writer because he didn't come back for the sequel there's a sequel uh, yeah, last year, about a decade later, they did a series called Magia Record. Okay, I will continue ignore all of these things, because... Hello, and welcome to These Bitches Are Liches, a Madoka Magica <laughs> retrospective <laughs> podcast. It is such a really good title, yeah. I like how Velvetarly has a lot of just, like, Guitar noodling, which is sort of a trademark for this band. It's almost like pre-gent. It's not gent yet. It's not that kind of super technical, but you still get some noodling. And it's like, yeah, gent, pre-gent. I enjoy the noodling. I also really enjoy the lyrics. I like the lyrics. I think they're sort of like sub-bed religion, but not in the worst way possible. But one thing that irks me about the lyrics is that the singer really stretches the scansion Sometimes, like, negative becomes negative. And <laughs> yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. It, it, it's really funny sometimes. I didn't notice that because there's enough going on otherwise with the music that it's like, eh. That is fair. It's just like negative. 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 <laughs> I have one more question before we leave Velvet Alley based on mm-hmm. your comments. Yeah. You said that it's it's not quite gent yet. Does that mean that there are also, if this is pre-gent, the genres of post-gent and new-gent? Yes. One of those is a senator, so we should watch out. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I was making terrible puns. I... I... I don't get it, but I'm happy for you. Yeah. Uh, but track two is where we really hit the gas and we go to kill your scene.
This ain't a scene. It's a god. Oh, wrong band. Sorry. Uh, it's kind of wild that this is a band who has some four and five minute tracks, and yet only twice do they slow down from this intensity. Yeah, no, this this is great. And when they slow down, it's actually good. Like, it's not just, like, radio rock bullshit. They slow down, but they still have their signature sound, and they do interesting things. Yeah, not once on this album did I think, gee, I wish these songs were shorter. And that hasn't happened in ages. I thought about that once. And surprisingly enough, it's on a two-minute song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for what it's worth, this is a two-minute track, so I don't... Don't take that the wrong way. I'm just kind of commenting on the way the speed follows through. The chorus of the song is where I really started making the Bad Religion comparison, because this is a very Bad Religion chorus, melodically. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I like it. It's like full-on hardcore. It's a heavier, heavy guitar, gritty, shouted singing. And I don't know, it's fun. Short, angry, good chorus, contrasty, heavy verse. This is a gem. This is a gem of a song. Mm-hmm. After that comes Alien Amplifier. You know, they did that great cover of Smooth Criminal. Alternative joke, finally, UFOs not related to Tom DeLonge. <laughs> yeah, this is another song that I really enjoy. It has great guitar, cool, the, the melody is really cool, it has synth flares, which I love. Remind me again about what um, Motion City soundtrack would do in the future with how the synth integrates with the punk sound. And I don't know, it's great. I have a bit of an issue where the voice is mixed a bit rough, which is generally not a problem on the heavier tracks, but it's sort of weird on the melodic ones. But aside from that, which is just a nitpick really, this song is fun. There's another like good melody, good guitar. This will be a record that sort of once again will test the um, the flaws of our track by track review system because a lot of these tracks, the only thing that I can say is it's good. It's fun. It's not ext- it's not an extremely diverse record, but what they do, they do really well in this record. Mm-hmm. This is one of the tracks I would say has the most bad religion DNA because this is a pro reach out to your neighbor, build a coalition, we can't do it alone kind of song. Yeah, just this is a much more positive song and album than so much more we've had recently on the show. There's nothing on this album where we're like, content warning for slurs, or one of us going off about the content of a track. Or, we're having a murder counter. How many women do they murder in this album? Yeah, no murder count. Yeah, there there is no murder counter. There is no incel shit. Love it. Love it. And then we get on to 
cult of the subterranean. The intro, I noted it as like very Linkin Park new metal-ish, which is not, maybe not necessarily what it is, but it does sound, it does have sort of that dark, grungy sound. I took that as a uh, speed AFI. Oh, that, that also works. Uh, and then the lyrics, apocalyptic daydream casual delirium hit, and then was like, oh god, you're really trying to write like Gref Greffin. Smoke of all-out thoughts and cigarette exhaust. Yeah, it's not bad, but again, it's very... <laughs> it is on a, <laughs> on a certain level like, oh, this is off-brand bad religion lyrically. Some of these lyrics, like, make me think of, like, uh, witches listing out stuff that they're going to put into their magic potion cauldron thingies. But that is not a negative thing. Speaking of witches and potions and etc., did I tell you I was looking at buying a cross-stitch the other day? It was a very fine needlepoint, and that, that sort of faux script writing. Mm -hmm. And it simply said, dig through the ditches, burn through the witches, slam in the back of Scott Bakula. <laughs> what? I considered it. It was only $15. Yeah, no, there's a... a uh cross-stitch pattern maker that I follow that makes all sorts of stuff like that. My sister loves that kind of thing, and occasionally she will send one my way. That's great. Uh, I really like the riff on this song. Solid. Yeah, this one uh, is definitely a little more in the goth vein, and it's got a good style. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit, not slower, but it's a bit darker. I don't hate it. Like, this is a pretty good song. I wish the chorus would have been better handled. I think there's a lot of build-up with the guitar in the verse. And when it gets to the chorus, it... Uh, I don't know. Doesn't really work for me. But I really like the guitar riff. The guitars are great on this song. So, again, even the worst song on this record, pretty listenable. They're like, yeah, you can jump to them. Oh, this was your worst? No, another one is my worst, but, you know. Okay. This is definitely in the lower half for me, and I still really like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one was, like, uh, kind of middle of the road for me, but I do appreciate the gothicness of it. It's tasty. Oh, they will get a lot more goth by the end of this record. I know! I'm so excited! Yeah, this is my top three on uh, Cult. Mm. Fair enough. <laughs> Alright, it's time to lubricate the revolution. Which, boy, what 
great title. Well, yeah, what an evocative title in all the worst ways. Gotta make sure that it's all uh, nice and slippery. This is the track where they talk about how Chewbacca died. <laughs> Do they? I'll buy the moon a bomb and aim it straight at number one. Did Chewbacca die? I I do not know the Star Wars. Okay, so that's a deep cut joke only for people who read the novels, because that has not happened in the new canon. But yes, they killed Chewbacca by dropping a full ass moon on him. Well, that's rude. It was a pretty metal death. I am going to go with a hot take here. Uh, Star Wars is just bad Kingdom Hearts. I can see that. <laughs> if I were to describe the Yuuzhan Vong to you, uh, you would basically just laugh in my face. Anyhow, Labricating the Revolution. This is probably the top sounds like Bad Religion track, but not in a bad way. Like, this is a good Bad Religion song with a bit more edge. They definitely like harder than Bad Religion. Their guitars are more distorted, heavier, more chugga-chugga, just going on, just hitting their guitar as hard as possible. And this is fun. This is fast, energetic. The chorus is a bit short, but it's excellent at punctuating the energy when it comes on. This is just great punk music. This is like punk music that you can jump to and then you can enjoy and it goes fast and it's, you know, pumps you up, man. Finally, some good fucking music. <laughs> Did you just... Was that... <laughs> wow. Yes. <sighs> uh, this is the part where I started looking more into the band's lineup and history for myself, because I try not to do that so I can have a fresh reaction to your own research. But I was very convinced, oh, the guitarist for this band has left and joined a metal band. And it's like, no, they have never changed guitarists ever in their history, with the exception of Jim Cherry leaving and dying. Mm-hmm. They are. They have been extremely consistent, but with their labels and with their formation, they're just like good at doing this type of shit. It's not exciting and dramatic, but it's like sometimes it's just nice to hear like, oh, like these people are making music together and they're you know enjoying it and don't hate each other or think that they're all assholes or getting into drunk fights with each other on stage or. That is fair, but I'm also extremely disappointed that they didn't go and form LMFAO. So, yeah. <laughs> well, not every band that we cover can go on to do that. We're sexy and we know it. Yeah. Sorry for Party Rocking would be a three-song EP in last ten minutes. <laughs> God, that would have been nice. Um, I really like the lyrics on this song. Okay. I like the lyrics of this album. I like the lyrics of this song. It makes me happy. Okay. Talk us about the lyrics of Lubricating the Revolution. What do you like about them? Um, well, they're vaguely edgy. And basically, while listening to this album, looking at it, I'm like, hmm, I would have really liked this as a teenager, which is... One of my defining criteria for whether or not I think that uh, songs are good pop punk, because it's like, eh, I'm not a teen. I'm not like in the target audience for this anymore. But would I have liked it when I was? The answer is yes. Probably it's good. That is, that is entirely fair. On this planet I call my home, I'll be an island. It's a 
great shutting, Anton. Mm-hmm. I can I can attest to that. <laughs> right. Sometimes you just have to hide yourself away and plot the death of number one. You know, it's a good weekend thing. Mm-hmm. Bring me the head of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> God, I'm not saying nothing. I will also settle for the death of Elon Musk, the Boer bastard. <sighs> really, there's no bad billionaire to kill. <laughs> there's not. No, you can kill them all. Uh, that's yeah. Now about the kids. Are they all right? Uh, this is the part where I started saying, this is the anti-offspring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I just want to pull your attention to, uh, uh, I don't remember this being a thing in the song. Let me re-listen to that real quick. Oh, is this the bit at the beginning of Genius? Yeah, that's what I was going to go for. Yes. Uh, this is, the, we call this one The Kids. Cra parentheses that weird noise he makes. <laughs> yes, I think whoever wrote the genius lyrics took them from like some kind of live performance rather than the record. Yeah, I. There are a lot of this Cause, bits. Yeah, because I I was like I don't remember that in the song. Let me go back and listen to it because like it could have been in there and I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> but no, I don't think so. Yeah, no. No, it wasn't there. Parentheses, that weird noise he makes is beautiful. That I just had to, I had to start a discussion with that. No, that's fair. I love whoever wrote the genius lyrics just because of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not the only place when the things like this are noted. Ah, uh, it's if you're listening to us, people who wrote the genius lyrics for um for Strang Out, an American Paradox. I appreciate your work. Good job. I also do, yes. Also, I love that they describe the spoken word clip at the end as professor slash scientist voice. I see. Yeah, this is clearly someone's favorite track. And much like the phrase, ska is what happens in a 13-year-old's head when they get a plate of mozzarella sticks, cra, that weird noise he makes, is the sound of a young goth discovering... There's a darkness in me and I can feed it. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes me sort of sad to say The Kid is probably my worst song on the record. Um, It's very chorus oriented and the chorus is not that good. There's a good build up, but sort of doesn't work for me. I think it's one of the two songs that doesn't work for me. And this is probably the only song that I actively didn't really enjoy. Rather than the other one, which is just like, oh, this is fine, but it leaves me a bit cold. So, yeah. I think musically, definitely weak. I can see where you're coming from. I love some of the metaphor on this one. Walking adolescent death trips tired of doing time. It do be like that in high school. 
Uh, we've mapped our course. We've set our sights. Crossed hairs on everyone. Yeah, it's a good one. Let's talk about the track that has the worst pun on the album. What's the pun? Uncoil, uncle. Oh. I, like, okay. did not... I don't know. Breath smoke is uh is a great line. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the, my second worst track for the record. It's not terrible, but it leaves definitely leaves me cold. It's a bit heavier. The chorus is incredibly bad, not necessarily in a bad way, but the chorus is very bad, and. Um, I feel like they're going for a super dark tone while still being shouty and heavy guitar-y and there's not any further production to support that. It sort of falls flat, it's like it tries to be very dark, but unlike another song on this record that tries to be very dark, it doesn't quite go at it with the right angle and sort of like, it's there. Yeah, this one doesn't land quite as, uh... Here's my take on why it is a problem because I actually really like the long opening. I think the long outro is garbage. It's got a metal-esque pacing, especially with the extended intro, but there's not a lot here because at just shy of five minutes, it's got as much meat as any other track spread out over a longer bone. They didn't give you more to work with, they just gave it to you slower. That is fair. That makes sense. Breath Smoke is... Definitely one of the bands that was at Warped Tour. I can guarantee it. Like, sure, they didn't have a simple plan uh, run of it, but they were there. Brad Smoke is someone who, yeah, would play probably like once on the D stage and then like be kicked out for like groping someone. Disappear off the face of the earth. Also, this is an incredibly fun song to take literally because it's trying to be dark, but if you read any three lines in a row, you will start laughing. Feel my head expanding outward. I've arrived at a place I haven't been before, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) And still I wait for the stranger inside me to show himself and let me be. Transong, 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 transong. Okay, no, no, I found the single best three lines. Here it is, your perfect haiku. The walls have started breathing, the colors I am seeing. The sign ahead reads, welcome, neighbor. Yeah, this one isn't bad. Uh, It's, it's, meh. Like, knowing that they can do better, I'm like, well, this is disappointing. But also, if I, like, I wouldn't skip it if it came on, probably. This would be a standout on many other albums we've covered. Like, imagine if Simple Plan, like, pulled off this song. (laughs) If Simple Plan pulled off this song, I would believe in demonic possession. (laughs) 
listen, I want to hear the simple plan version of this song now. The sign ahead reads, welcome neighbor. Da na 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 na. Batman? <laughs> Let's talk about Contender. Chicken tenders. This is the top. This is <laughs> this is the top. Uh, dude, stop eating your words. Song on the record. Uh, it's at this point the guy is just basically speaking in Simlish on the song because like none of the words that you speak are pronounced or spoken the way that you do. So that's just how all music sounds to me. So I didn't notice anything different. Um. This is probably one of the cattiest sets of notes I took on the album. Okay. This has the vibe of a really good live show from a local band with the worst audio equipment. <laughs> uh, partway through, I realized, oh, this is a punk rock story song. And then I closed it with, this is the high speed version of three different Mountain Goats tracks Elaine loves. <laughs> the mountain goats why aren't we doing a mountain goats podcast i don't know uh, there's already one and uh, john Neil is on it so i don't think we can beat that oh you know that's fair that's fair that's true we'd have to get real weird with it <laughs> <sighs> i don't know this song is the one that is like two minutes and it feels too long I don't know if story song is a mode that I like strung out in. I have seen in the past few years many better alternate takes on boxing stories between Creed and Megalobox. And also, I guess there was that Ashida no Joe reboot. But yeah, Contender is the story of a boxer and uh, it's Rocky. This is Rocky. Dun, da, dun, da, dun, da, dun. It's specifically Rocky one because he doesn't win. And it's two minutes long and kind of slurred, much like if Sylvester Stallone was singing. Yeah. Listen to Beat the Champ by the Mountain Goats, which is about wrestling, not boxing, but same thing. It's basically the same type of vibe. And I mean, you can't win against a Mountain Goats comparison. Not not as long as Ellie's alive. Ellie. Yeah. You have a gun with one bullet in it. And there are two people in front of you. Okay, go or the mountain goats. Okay, go. You put a bullet in. Okay, go. Okay. Yeah. All right. I did not. Ex I expected that to be a harder. <laughs> okay, go had a perfect first album and a bunch of stuff that I don't really care about later. The mountain goats have been consistently like amazing. Also, I'm pretty sure that Ellie would take a literal bullet for John Darnielle, so, like... <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, yeah. I thought that was going to be a harder... It's basically like I'm... I feel like I'm one of those Saw Quotes posts now. Before you are two options... Oh, oh, I guess you... I guess you knew which kid you liked. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Let's talk about Satellite, which is, in many cases, one of the worst songs by so many bands. Name me a good song named Satellite by any band. Does Cecilia and the Satellite count? I liked that one. No, no, no. If the song is just named Satellite. I, I don't know if I know any other song named Satellite aside from this one. P.O.D. has a song named Satellite. B.T. has a song named Satellite. Now Strung Out has a song named Satellite. Okay, let's see on Spotify what, what comes up if I put Satellite in. Rise Against as a song named Satellite, apparently. Is it good? I don't know. Never listened to it. Um, Elliot Smith as a song named Satellite. That's an Elliot Smith song. Hope Sandoval and The Warm Invention have a song named Satellite. Dave Matthews Band has a song called Satellite. Oh, no. Why? Yeah, now I'm looking this up. Oh, oh, no. He's making the Dave Matthews face. I'm clicking this. I'm going to regret this. This song is what would happen if you ask the members of the state to make a Dave Matthews Band parody in the 90s. Because <laughs> it starts with a violin solo, and then we cut to Dave Matthews' face, and he goes, Satellite! <laughs> and now he's floating in a bubble around a trailer park. <laughs> Okay, we have to stop this, but oh my god, I needed that laugh. <laughs> Happy to help. Okay, now my question. Why Why do so many Ben have a song named Satellite? Why is that so common? It is not a common word. Um, because it's not a common word, that means that it can be used to, you know, feel poetic and otherworldly, while also having a symbolic meaning. Also, in P.O.D.'s case, it was about Jesus. Oh, well, there you go. But also it can have a symbolic meaning about, like, unrequited love or whatever the fuck. Okay, let's talk about this song, because I like this song. I really like this song. Uh, has a cool bass sound at the beginning with the muted string. And then they sort of go full emo for this single track, which I really enjoy. Like, the guy is not eating the words that much on this one. Has this nice teen angst emo lyrics. Really good chorus. I generally think that this is how, like, a fast punk band should do, like, the quote-unquote emotional song. Because, like, we've encountered a lot of punk bands that just suddenly go into slow, shitty radio rock mode when doing a song like this. But, like, this feels emotional. This feels personal. But on the other hand, it does not trade in their sound and their energy. It's just, like, slow down a bit. A bit more minimalist, but still, like, 
Still has that guitar, still has that drum, still has that heavy feeling. I really like this song. I think this is a blueprint on how you sort of go into a more emotional space while still not not sucking completely. I thought of this as for a song that talks about being about things you won't forget, it's easily the least memorable track. So this is where I started going, uh-huh. how old are these boys? And then I went, okay, they're around 30. You're allowed to do a nostalgia track, especially when you've been a band with a consistent lineup for a solid decade. And so that kind of brought me around on it again by the end, because it's like, okay, this is actually a tribute to your past and everything. And I don't know. I enjoy the song, though. I think it's like, it's a good, like, slower, more emotional song, which still has energy, still has, like, good drums, good singing, great chorus. I enjoy it. Context brought it out of my bottom three. Okay. This is definitely my top three, but I guess this is why it's fun to have different opinions. I mean, I think that's the thing is, there's something for all of us on this album, it's just the something is different for each host. first seven or eight times i looked at the title for this album and uh this uh song i thought it was an american parody um i was a little worried just because gestures at bands that do joke songs on this podcast ew um but then it actually turned out to be an american paradox and i was like oh thank god also lucky you the parody film An American Carol would not come out for five years after this record. Okay. Um, this song is fun. It's the most punk song on the record. I think this has no pop at all. A lot of their songs have a very, like, pop chorus, or they, they still can be called pop punk, even if it's, again, more bad religion adjacent pop punk. This is the one that feels the most, like, straight-up punk. It's fun. Galloping guitars and drums. The bridge goes a bit melodic, but it goes right back into heavy guitars. So, I don't know. It's good. It's fun. It's one of the best what has America become pop punk political songs we've heard of this era. Is this on Rock Against Bush? It is not. In fact, I will actually look those albums up and see if Strung Out appeared on them. Because now I'm very curious. Because it was a fat wreck. No, they were on the first one with No Voice of Mine, which was an unreleased track, and they are not on the second. Okay, then. Probably a good choice on their part. They do say in interviews like that their political views is basically like, you know, both parties are shit and uh, higher powers control the president. You know, I'm just glad that this does not end with any of them being Q people today. <laughs> I, I I don't know, to be honest. They might, but... Well... I don't know. On the other hand, both parties prop up the same oppressive systems is not a wrong take. Oh, it's not. It's, especially in this era, it was a very South Park take, but otherwise... 
How about we dig into it? Into what? The, the next track, Dig. So we're Dig into Dig? Yeah. Dig Dug! Let me tell you about the extended, miles-long lore of the Dig Dug universe, because that's real. Go on. I want to know. Every single Namco arcade game takes place on a timeline that is, I think, the Universal Space Something Federation timeline. So, uh, Dig Dug actually married the heroine from Bosconian, another arcade game, and they gave birth to Mr. Driller. Not all of the Mr. Driller games take place on Earth because galactic travel is common by that era in history. Also, it's the year 3000-something, and like all of this is tied in with Galaga and Galaxian and also various other titles, and all of this just has a giant list that they've handily translated into multiple languages so you can read it all around the world and if you ever want to know about why Dig Dug divorced Mr. Driller's mom, it's in there. Okay. Anyway, Dig is a punk band doing Bob Marley because that's the only way I can describe the weird upbeat tone to this track. I I think you're just describing Ska? I think I might be describing Ska. Yeah, um... <laughs> I was gonna say... Like, a punk band uh, doing Bob Marley is also what happens when a 13-year-old gets to eat mozzarella sticks, so. (laughs) God, I really want mozzarella sticks now. I would actually commit murder for mozzarella sticks, I'm not lying. Rather than mozzarella stick, what about the cool distortion at the beginning of the song? It's a great sound. I love it! Sounds great. I love the song. This is another really solid song. Um... The chorus is not great, but I love everything the guitar does on this song. The 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 riff, it's really cheesy, like it's a real pop-punk riff, but it sticks out and it's a great hook and it's like very strong, very memorable. The guitar does some great stuff on the chorus by not just, you know, doing the obvious boring stuff, but adds a bit of depth to the chorus. This is a greatly crafted pop-punk song. The right amount of heaviness, definitely. But aside from that, it's very lightweight, really fun. Great guitars on this one. I really like it. Uh, The lyrics, unfortunately, feel like a Garth Brooks B-side. If you read these to a acoustic guitar, they sound like they'd be... Twanging behind it. I don't want to feed the fire, and I don't to be the liar. But something's gotta give before I'm gone. 
Now I'm wrong if I don't say enough, and I'm wrong if I give in too much, so I'll take a bow and get out while I can. That's what this comes off as to me. Listen, I would still enjoy that song, <laughs> not gonna lie. Honestly, I'd probably be more interested in that take. Perhaps. But it's a good song. I'm, I enjoy it. It's not, it's not terrible. It's in my low tier. That's, yeah. I don't know. I really like it. I think the guitar on this really shines. I think this is one of the songs where, like, they do... It's not a great song, like, melodically, but the guitar does enough interesting stuff that it keeps me hooked in. I like it. It's good. The guitar really gets me on the next track with the best name on the album, Razor Sex. worried about razor sex because i was like oh god is this gonna be our murder counter song and then it wasn't and that made me really happy so this song has a title that screams my name but it goes full corn instead of going hellraiser fucking and that made me sad Aww. also bonus story about this i got a five minute ad for 18 wheeler cabs before this song <laughs> And because it started with a it started with a minute of butt rock and I had this in a background tab and I was just thinking, oh, this is this is a little weird. And I didn't realize it wasn't the song Razor Sex until the spokesman went, hi, I'm here for truck. <laughs> it was literally a five minute ad trying to entice me to buy the cab that pulls an 18 wheeler. I mean, everybody should have at least one of those. Did you buy it? I did check prices because I was just like, how affordable are those to the casual person? Uh, it turns out not very. Yeah, unfortunately. But no, I love the incredibly discordant counter guitar playing at the start of this. And the instrumentation is fascinating behind the lyrics shitting the bed as they go full new metal. You're burning arrows sinking into me. You're my favorite ache inside. So put down that knife and lie down with me. Step right over me. Is this about the Resident Evil vampire lady? <sighs> Not even the horniest trailer that came out this week. I know they started releasing, like, her, like, feet number or something, because this is how video game marketing is now. What was the horniest trailer that came out this week? There is a trailer that is a solid minute of Shermie from King of Fighters 15 being announced for the game, and it's just her breaking the neck and back of a twink and a protagonist over and over for 60 seconds. Oh, oh, I've seen that video. That's a very naked design they choose for her. Okay, so, Ellie, you said feet number, and I thought that you meant number of feet, and I was very confused as to why that would be a marketing thing, and but also, like, it's the internet. So you never know. I meant, what do you call it? Like shoe size? Yeah, I knew shoe what you size. meant. I had seen the same tweet. 
It was very weird when Capcom USA released measurements for a character who's in a video game that doesn't exist, but it's like, if you want to cosplay as her, make sure that you are nine feet tall and have size 18 heels just to be accurate. <laughs> also, put three kids in the trench coat with you to have that dump truck ass. <laughs> <laughs> this has been your look at the razor sex that is video games. <laughs> Welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Horrible Industry, a video game podcast. <gasps> oh, you don't want us to do a video game podcast. <laughs> I definitely don't. This week it would be nothing but me talking about the Easter event at Demon Crawl and gay JRPG Renaissance remaster. Let us finish this record and talk about the best track on the record, Cemetery. 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 Oh no, Ellie broke. <laughs> cemetery, 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 cemetery. Yeah, that's the cemetery. One. Okay, I got it. Got it. <laughs> <sighs> So this is the darkest sounding track on the record. It has a solid punk bass, but the guitar is definitely trying something different by alternating the usual punk chugging with some heavier, not heavier, some lighter nodding. It is really effective at setting a somber mood. This is the track that mostly reminds me of AFI. Yeah. It's great. It has some like subtle production here and there, like some really horror-like swooshing. It's like, Love it. It is I love it. full goth. On my first listen, I immediately had to go to the lyrics because the very first line is an electric concrete fantasy. But I misheard him and I went, he did not just say an electric cucking fantasy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I would like this a little bit less if that were the case. Only you could misheard this in this way, but... I like the lyrics. They're like really skating against like the music scene in general and specifically like LA, which is like great. As someone who has a very complicated history with the city of Los Angeles, perfectly okay with going full goth and shitting on that city. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, this is perfect. And then it, we might as well talk about it all while we're here, goes into a bonus track that is just named Don't Look Back. Mm -hmm. It's just a little ambient piece. It works well as a closure of the record. I don't like ambient pieces. <laughs> I was really excited because when it started, I thought it was going to be a cover of California Uber Alice, and it was not. It has the same structure at the start. Batman. It <laughs> you keep hitting me with that one when I do get voice <laughs> uh, but it's it's not bad it's an interesting atmospheric jam session i just was expecting i am governor jerry brown soon i will be president 
yeah, we close the album with this. Any final thoughts? I liked it. It was enjoyable. I'm all about this one. There is nothing on this that left me miserable. Had a good time with it. Did not have to take any breaks. Did not find myself regretting anything that brought me here. Had a lot of fun little divergences. And again, how often do I get to say, yeah, I started out with this one and it lit was meandering. And so I started doing research and went, oh, wow, this whole thing actually kind of comes together when I know the stories. Really nice. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this record. I listened to the other records from the band. And even though the previous records are a bit more popular with the fans, I think this is where they really sort of hit an interesting sound, like especially with how heavy they go, how they implement sort of like, not necessarily progressive, but they implement a bit more technical stuff, a bit more noodling and stuff, and uh, heavy sort of metal influences. I think this is a really, you know, sort of not necessarily unique, but it, they do their thing, they know their sound very well, and I really like it. I really like the sort of 90s, punk, bad religion punk, but mixed with some heavier stuff, some god influences, some darker songs. I thoroughly enjoy this. This is like a 3.5 out of 5 for me, and it's definitely in the upper half of what we reviewed for this podcast. Hell yeah. Thumb, complete thumbs up for me from this. This is definitely recommend the record. Go check it out. Not all of the songs really hit individually, but as a whole, this is a great lesson. And we will be returning to Strung Out again in the future, but according to our chart, we are going to skip over two different albums before they show up again. Mm -hmm. Because we only talk about albums that charted, because we don't want to be mean to think that didn't chart. But we, we can't cover the next one, where they're part of the soundtrack to the game MX vs. ATV Unleashed? Why so many pop-punk bands are part of ATV? Games. THQ, so probably cheap uh, licenses. That is fair. Also, boy, the the next album, which I did look onto because I was going, that's not the one on the list. Boy, these are some track titles. Catatonia, spelled with a K. Lucifer Motorcade. Skeleton Dance. The Misanthropic Principle. Never Speak Again. No voice of mine, and all one word, angel dust before blueprint of the fall. That is wonderfully gothic. I love it. Johnny Loftus of All Music stated, Exile is by no means just the next California punk pop record. <sighs> Shall we? What are we doing next week, Fletch? Next week we are talking about... Something Corporates Leaving Through the Windows. Okay. Do, do, do. Oh no, this is a California-Florida joint, which is already worrying. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I remember these singles and I am in hell. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to listen to this stuff for the first time. I'm not familiar with something corporate, so hopefully I'll enjoy it. Oh, I'm in hell. <laughs> this is gonna suck. <laughs> I remember <sighs> all of these. I am already punching myself in the throat. Same song, different chorus. It's stupid, contagious, to be broken, famous, it's so
So, this was the episode. We can, as always, find us on our beautiful website, getoutofthistown.com. You can mail us at getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. Do it! Particularly important if you you intend to cancel us. That's the (laughs) etiquette. Um, You can add us on Twitter at ggottpodcast. You can find us everywhere that you find podcasts. You know where it is. I don't need to tell you because... One, if you're listening to us, you're listening to us from somewhere. If you listen to podcasts, you already have your favorite podcast provider. And you can find us there. I don't know which is your favorite podcast provider. I'm not going to list all of the podcast providers out there. Because we are on all of them. It's just that you will use a specific one. And we, we are on that one. Check it out. But if your podcast provider allows you to rate and review us, Please do. It helps. And and yeah, next up, we will talk about something corporate. And do you have anything at all to plug, Fletch? You can find me at my website, hellscaper.com. And do you have anything at all to plug, Adam? Nope. And you can find me, as always, at ACC the Moon on Twitter. And... If you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon. But, like, feel free to send us fun facts about upcoming band we're gonna talk about, because, I'll be honest, this week we really struggled to make the history seem any interesting at all. Have a good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night. I've got the time to stick around I'll catch my flight like a pop pumpkin Get out of this town What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down Let's terrify Oh, mm. please stick around, Sausage McMuffin ad I need you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it ended <laughs> <laughs>